What's up, Repray Share family? We are back with another Bible study message for you. And as you all know, we are actually in a new series for this month of August called We Are All the Minister. Week one of this series was kicked off by our sister Kaya Cross, who came from her topic of talking about You Can't Steal My Peace. And her message, she's talking about peace, what the Bible says about it, and the things that can rob us from our peace. So we truly hope and pray that you enjoy this message. It resonates with you and empowers you, and you stick with us throughout this series. Awesome. And so we are in week one of our new series we are calling We Are All the Minister. And I just want to thank you guys for just being here, tapping in with us this week. And I pray that this message will encourage you as it has encouraged me. And so let's jump right into it. So my title for the message today, if you are a note taker, is You Can't Steal My Peace. And my purpose in sharing with this with you guys is to shed light on things that can hinder us from experiencing God's peace and what our response should be when we encounter opposition in our life. And so let us pray. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Shift the atmosphere, God. Speak to us through me to your children, God, and say whatever it is that you want to say, God. I decrease so that you can increase, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so our key scripture is going to start in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 23. Again, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. The context of this chapter is written by the prophet Isaiah. And so it's a song of praise to the Lord, celebrating his trustworthiness to provide all that the people need, including their salvation. And so Isaiah, he's singing about how Israel will be judged for their sins, yet also restored by God in his mercy. Isaiah, he prophesies that God will save his people from their sin. And although people may be faithless towards God, God will always be faithful to his people. And so this is something that Isaiah emphasized on, that God is willing to redeem and restore his perfect peace to all who decide to trust him. And so we find ourselves in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, and it reads, you will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. And so I just wanna take a moment to rephrase this as an affirmation. And so you may say something like, I will keep in perfect and constant peace because my mind is committed and focused on who God is. I will trust and take refuge in him. I have a confident hope in who he says that he is. And so I chose this scripture because it it not only tells us how to have peace, but how to keep it. And I chose this topic because I'm a wife. I'm a mom of two boys, not two kids, but two boys who works a full-time job that is demanding, requiring a lot of my time and my effort. I'm a leader in ministry. And so let's just say there are a lot of things that can have my peace going to and fro, right? Wavering. And so this message is not just to teach and remind you, but it's also to teach and remind me as well. And so moving on, the first thing I want to address is what does the Bible say about peace? Between many translations that we can read in our Bible apps or buy at the store, right? The word peace is used anywhere between 300 to 450 times. 
throughout the entire Bible, but it is mentioned many times. But when it is mentioned many times, like there's a significance to repetitiveness. Well, but why? And so peace is more than the absence of conflict or stress or anxiety. And I feel like a lot of people associate peace with that, that if nothing is going wrong in my life, I have peace. But peace is more than that. Peace can include a feeling of being comfortable, right? If life is good, life isn't lifing, these are going great, your prayers are being answered, you feel comfortable, right? But comfort alone does not equal peace. I'm gonna say that again. Peace can include a feeling of being comfortable, but comfort alone does not equal peace. They are not the same. I can have peace in my heart and in my mind and my spirit and go through something that is completely uncomfortable. Perfect peace is having this deep and abiding like knowledge of being loved and cared for by God, no matter the circumstance, right? So perfect peace is this inward state. It's something that happens like within. It's rooted in this unwavering and faithfulness of who God is. That no matter what I go through, good or bad, but because I know who God is, I know that he is faithful. I know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can have rest. I can have this perfect peace within because I know this to be true. And so what does it mean to be kept in perfect and constant peace? And so in my research, um, the original Hebrew text, this perfect peace is expressed as shalom, shalom. The repetition of this word shalom emphasizes that it's not an ordinary peace, but perfect peace. God promises us this complete and abundant peace. The word constant means consistent, continual, and unwavering. And so in other words, if we want to have this unwavering peace that is complete and abundant, we have to do what the scripture says. And this is only available to those whose mind, which is the origin of our thoughts, is steadfast, which is committed and focused on God's nature and God's character. And so a point I want to make here is without understanding his nature and his character, which we know is unchanging, you are subject to the absence of peace. I'm going to say that again. Without understanding his nature and his character, which is unchanging, you are subject to the absence of peace. We can have a hope and a confident expectation that our trust in God will not be played with, that our trust will not be stewarded poorly in the hands of someone who is perfect and who is holy. And so because we know this, we know that it is our decision. It's a choice that we have to make to receive the peace that God gives us, right? And so I want to give us five things, but it's not limited to these five things that can rob us of our God-given peace. And so the first one is sin. The battle of sin and our response to sin can keep us in bondage, which will lead us to not experiencing God's perfect peace. The battle of sin um, we see in the Garden of Eden with um, Adam and Eve, right? They were in perfect peace living with God, right? And it was their sin and how they dealt with the sin that led them to no longer experiencing the peace that they once had. And so your response to sin may sound something like, 
I fell short. God doesn't love me. Living for Jesus is so hard versus living for the world, right? It's hard to stop doing what I'm doing. I keep going back. I can't do this anymore, right? Maybe you're hiding like Adam and Eve in the garden, naked and afraid as if God cannot see you, right? And so our response to sin and how we battle the sin is going to dictate what we experience, right? And so I find hope and joy that Jesus is our key to freedom from being slaves to sin and having the power through Jesus to overcome it, right? We know that Jesus is a prince of peace and that our mind can be at rest through acknowledging what he did on the cross for us. And also having a reverence for God, a deep respect for him and all that he is, is how we're able to overcome battle the battle of sin and how we can respond better to sin when we are faced with temptation and when we fall short. And so something else I want to add here is battling sin, like that is something that we cannot do without the help of the Holy Spirit. That unless we choose to abide more in our, uh, if we choose to abide more in our flesh than we do in the spirit, we are going to lose the battle every single time. So it is imperative that we abide more in the Holy Spirit than we do in our flesh um, when it comes to our response to sin. And so the second one is unfavorable circumstances. And so I want to take a look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. Again, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. And so something I want to add here as well is it's hard to have peace and panic. Think about it. If I'm panicking, right, my mind is going left and right and I'm spiraling mentally and I'm just frantic, right? How can you be in a state of peace if your outward response is panic, right? Because we know that peace is like an inward state and panic is more of our, our response to what we feel on the inside. And so it's hard to have peace and panic. So when fear is present, it is difficult for peace to be present as well. That fear is a result of being focused on it, whatever it is, and peace is a result of our focus on him. And so let's read Matthew chapter eight. Um, and all the way up until verse 23, just for context, Jesus is healing people. He heals a man with leprosy, a young servant of a Roman officer. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He casts demons out of people. And so we find ourselves in verse 23 and it reads, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And so we just read here um, an illustration of two responses to a literal storm. But for you, it may be figuratively. And so we could respond like Jesus and have the kind of peace in the storm that enables you to have rest and sleep like Jesus. Or you could respond like the disciples, 
shout in fear because of what you're experiencing. And so in this in this moment, I picked this story because the literal waves, right? The wind and the waves are crashing, the coming against the boat where they are at, right? Where they they feel safe and secure, right? As they're going on their journey on the water, right? This is their their vehicle, right? And so when something come against it, comes against you, you know, our response is to our natural inclination is to react in fear or panic, right? But let us be like Jesus in this moment where because I know exactly, you know, like this wasn't, uh, this didn't happen. This was not by happenstance. Like Jesus is all knowing. And so them going on this journey, like he could have rest and be sleeping, going through this, right? Because he knows that there's nothing to fear. The man got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, right? And so the disciples, they walked step in step with Jesus, witnessing his power and authority, they had no reason to doubt this man, yet they did. And so a question I want to ask here is how many of us have experienced God's power and authority in and through our lives, yet we too doubt him? It may not always be spoken from our lips, but it may be in our hearts. So just take a moment to think about that. One of the last things Jesus shared with his disciples on his way to the cross was found in John chapter 16, verse 33, because he knew that we would face difficult things in our life. He said, I have told you these things that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so Jesus is completely upfront with us. He says, you're going to go through it. Life is going to life, that you're going to experience some things that are unfavorable, but take heart, right? This is a command. This is not a suggestion. Take heart in the fact that he has already overcome the world. And so that is encouraging to me that anything that we may face, literal storms, figurative storms in our life, that we can take heart in the fact that the battles ahead of us are already won, that the victory is found in Jesus. And so let us be encouraged by that family. Number three, the enemy. It is not a mystery that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we see this in Genesis in the Garden of Eden, in the wilderness where the Holy Spirit led Jesus. And there the devil was ready to flip scripture around. And so he wants our peace. And if we give the devil access to it, he will take it without hesitation. And so let us just take a moment to remember how we get peace, right? So peace comes from our mind being stayed on the one who gives us peace, right? God. And so our enemy, which is also God's enemy, would love to get our peace because if he gets our peace, he gets our mind, which is the origin of our thoughts. And if the devil can take your thoughts captive, he will make you believe anything, right or wrong, okay? So another thing that can rob us of our peace is ourselves, right? Jorian talked about earlier about how sometimes it's us getting in our own way. Sometimes it's us, um, you know, keeping God from truly doing a work in our lives, right? So we too can keep ourselves from experiencing this God-given peace, right? It is a gift to us. It is a promise that it is ours if we do what it is that we're supposed to do to not only get the peace, but sustain it, right? Keep it. 
And so this peace is to be stored and secure in our possession to the point that no unwaverable circumstance, the devil, society can take it away from us. When we lack peace, it's because we've surrendered it under the authority of someone or something else. I'm gonna say that again. When we lack peace, it's because we have surrendered it, right? We've given up control. You could have it, it's yours, right? You're giving access, right? It is now under the authority of something or someone else. We have allowed someone or something to have so much control over us that we just give it up. And so another thing that can rob us of this God-given peace is idols, right? An idol is something or someone that you put before God. And so if we put our hope in something or someone who cannot fulfill a void that only God can fill, right? A lot of people try to find peace in everyone and everything outside of God himself, whether that be in a relationship, a substance, a title like mom or manager or CEO or executive pastor, your peace will be wavering if you try to find it in people who are not perfect and have a sinful nature. Your peace in a substance like drugs and alcohol, it may be temporary in the moment. You may feel that instant gratification because you're looking for something in right now, but when it wears off, you will feel more disturbed than you did before. But I have good news and his name is Jesus. In chapter 14 of John, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my peace, perfect peace, calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. That is so comforting. I love scripture because it is so comforting. It is our reminder. And this is this is the place where we go to to receive our encouragement, right? We can go to the family and the friends and the significant other, but like our lifeline, our 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 Google base to fix our problems should be found in the pages of scripture. And so I want to wrap up this message by just sharing a few scriptures on how we can combat the things that try to steal our joy. And so let's start in Philippians 4, verse is 6 through 9. And so this is a familiar verse, but I'm going to read it anyways. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice everything you have learned and received from me. Everything you have heard and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Romans 12, 12 also tells us three things that we can do to combat the things that try to steal our peace. It says constantly rejoice in hope because of our confidence in Christ. Being steadfast and patient in distress and devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance, and strength. 
Family grace is also available to restore peace for my bad choices, right? We talked about sin. And so Hebrews 4 verses 14 through 16 says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he has faced all of the same things that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Then we will experience um, and receive his mercy. And we find his grace there to help us when we need it most. And so a point I want to make here is something that I also mentioned earlier is that our natural inclination is to freak out when the unexpected happens. And so, again, what will our response be? Will we choose to focus on our problems or will we choose to rest in his peace? Something that I also re realized as a believer is that we can be free in Christ, right? We receive freedom in Jesus. We are no longer slaves to sin, but our mind can be in bondage still. We cannot succumb to our negative emotions and allow them to have us in a chokehold grasping for air. In your troublesome moments, ask the Holy Spirit to do exactly what he was sent to do, be our helper. He not only came to teach us, but to remind us. Ask him to bring to your remembrance the words of Jesus, right? We are to hide the word of God in our hearts so that we will not sin against it. And so ask the Holy Spirit in those moments that you struggle with the sin. You struggle with having peace in the unfavorable circumstances. You're getting in your own way. You're allowing other people and other things to come before God. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. That is what he is there for. Colossians 3 and 15 is a follow-up to our thoughts, um, both spoken and unspoken. It says, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks with him daily to be the controlling factor in our hearts, right? Peace needs to be the controlling factor in our hearts. The deciding and the settling of the questions that come up Peace needs to control what we decide to do, how we decide to respond, what we think. For we are called to live in peace as members of one body. And so a question I wanna ask here is, what will be the controlling factor in your life? Will you allow your problems to take priority over your life, right? Will you give your problems authority or will you allow yourself to be at rest in God's peace, no matter what happens. The last scripture I wanna share is Romans 12 and two. And so it says, do not copy the patterns and customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. And so I added this verse because your mind is where you fight a lot of your battles. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind daily. And we do that through meditating on the word of God, being in the presence of God, communing and prayer, fellowshipping with other believers in Christ like we're doing right now, pouring into not pouring into each other, um, sharing knowledge, sharpening each other, right? Building each other up, um, encouraging each other, being there, right? Sharing each other's burdens, like allowing ourselves to be open and honest about things that we're battling, asking for prayer, whatever it may be. That is how we allow our minds to be transformed. And so if you don't remember anything that I said today, I want you to remember our key scripture from Isaiah 26, three, you will keep in perfect and constant peace 
the one whose mind is steadfast, committed and focused on you because he trusts and takes refuge in you. And so Repress Your Family, true and lasting peace is only going to come from the one who can meet the need of every human heart. And in order for us to receive this peace that surpasses all understanding, that will guard our hearts and our minds, you have to have a relationship with him. And so I shared a lot this morning, and I want to give everyone the opportunity to respond. So in this moment right now, just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? How does this message apply to me? How can I leave here transformed by this message? And I'll just give us a minute or so to listen to what the Holy Spirit speaks to us. If you're still in this moment, stay there. But for those of you who are ready to respond, your first response would be to first accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So Roman 10 and 9 tells us that if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So experiencing the peace of God starts by coming into relationship with Jesus, repenting, turning away from your sins, and placing your faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you need to make that confession, drop a one in the chat. If you're not a one, maybe you're a two, and you know that your peace in the season of your life may be wavering, and you want to fully accept this perfect and abundant peace that only God can give, Maybe you've allowed sin and unfavorable circumstances, the enemy, yourself, idols to steal your peace, and you wanna take it back. I want you to visualize Jesus on the cross right now. I want you to close your eyes and just visualize Jesus on the cross right now. And think about all the things that are troubling you today. The things that you faced this week, that have kept you from experiencing rest and peace, that have caused you to worry, have anxiety, fear, doubt, whatever it may be. See yourself walking towards Jesus and laying those things down at the foot of the cross for him to take care of it for you. Ask Jesus for help for everything that you've left there, entrusted in his care, and just see yourself just walking it away after with this light and load this burden gone, 
with your mind and your heart ready to receive the peace of God. If that sounds like something that you need to do right now, drop a two in the chat and I'm gonna pray for us. Thank you for your twos, family. Thank you for your twos. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for this time. Let me actually, before I start, let me stop recording. <laughs>